Thank you for tuning back into Verbal Assault live stream. Here we are on this Wednesday, uh, the 15th. We are discussing um, politics in a setting with real people, discussing real issues in real time. We, we hit from left, right, and center. So we don't give you the left point of view. We don't give you the right point of view. We give you all of the above with a nice summation by your center-leaning host. Okay, I lean a little bit left with both but aside from that, um, today's topic is why Puerto Rico declares martial law. Why is no one allowed to leave the house? First of all, I'd like to introduce my guest, Evan Engel. I'd like to say hello to you, left-leaning brother. Hi, Marky. How you doing? Very well. Brian Parker, who also leans left, I'd like to say hello to you as well. Hello. Sam, before you throw me under the bus and tell me how much you love Trump, I'd like to say hello to you. <laughs> hello. Okay, Nurka, I don't think you'll admit it, but I think you actually like Trump. <laughs> I said, Nurka, I think you actually like Trump, and I'd like to say hello to you. I, I do like Trump. Hi. Oh, oh, oh God. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Nurka, we can't hear you. There seems to be a problem with your mic. Darn, technical difficulty. She's gone. Anyway. Okay, no, 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 no. You made it clear. Okay, so Puerto Rico is containing the numbers. Um, and in the past, with the whole Hurricane Maria situation, we were criticizing Puerto Rico. Um, Nurka, should we be criticizing Puerto Rico right now? Considering that they're sort of operating independently of the United States and their whole handling of the disaster relief? Well, um, I, I have to be quite honest about this. I, I, I have no idea what's going on in Puerto Rico right now. I am very much involved in other investigations. Um, I know that they are in lockdown just like we are. And one other thing that I know is that um, all of the Caribbean right now is being is under investigation for the drug trafficking and and all of this that is going on that i know but other other than that oh, i don't oh. know anything else. wait a minute wait okay we're talking about puerto rico being under martial law and you're talking about drug investigation what's going on in the caribbean um well i don't know if you're aware of the briefing that came out at the beginning of last week or the end of the week before that um Venezuela, all of the um, South America is under investigation for drug trafficking and um, the Caribbean is much more, is also involved in it. So they, they have military on the coast of the, um, of the Caribbean islands. They, they are, they're oh. not specific oh. about which oh. islands they are, but um, they said Caribbean islands. That's all I know. Wow. Okay. 
Sam, were you expect? No, I'm sorry, Sam. Let, let me have you hold for a second. Um, Evan, were you expecting the conversation to go in that direction at all? I actually, I got to confess, I can't hear Slimmer Sam right now. Okay, so it's always nice to have techn- technical difficulties when you're coming in remotely. So, Evan, um, Nurka was discussing um, the fact that there is a drug investigation going on in the Caribbean. I was sort of asking about Puerto Rico in regards to how they're handling the crisis and should we be criticizing them? Um, So, Evan, remember the situation where we saw Trump throwing paper towels into the crowd? I remember. Now it seems that Puerto Rico is handling their numbers. Uh, They've had a flattening of the curve. Uh, Should we be... should we be criticizing them at all in this current crisis? Should we be taking, should we be looking at other countries and saying, what's working for you? Maybe we should implement it. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, what works for Puerto Rico might not work everywhere, but it does sound like they're doing it right. They are, as I understand it, right. There's a, there's a curfew at night. You can't go out at night at all. Uh, and during the day, you're allowed to leave your house if you wear a mask and you can only go to the grocery store or the bank or something, and maybe the hardware store. I mm-hmm. forget what the third one was. That's right. That's right. You know, that's severe. And, and you know, I don't know if that would be the, the right call for everywhere. But Puerto Rico, I've, I've never had the, the pleasure to go to Puerto Rico. But as I understand it, it's, you know, it's kind of like New York a little bit. There's dense housing. Uh, you know, they're not, everybody has access to, uh, to outdoor spaces. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I I'm okay leaving leaving this one up to Puerto Rico to decide what's best for them. Okay. Well, I'm glad you say that, Evan. Leaving it up to Puerto Rico to decide what's best for them. It's sort of the same mantra that Trump has been following in regards to all of the states. Um, Brian Parker, what do you feel that Puerto Rico is, is, is sort of on their own in this crisis, or should the United States be down there? handling this situation since they're considered American citizens? Do you feel that Puerto Rico should be independent of the U.S.? Or um, should we be actively involved with the, with the whole FEMA situation? Well, I mean, that's almost cra- a crazy question. Um, because, But the whole thing is, is that Puerto Rico should never be alone because they are American citizens. shouldn't matter whether or not they actually get to vote and the election process, if they're American citizens, then um, when we are having a national crisis, um, then they should be included. The problem is, is that our response to this has not been a national one. It has been one where we have basically ceded to the uh, governors to take care of their own. And, oh, by the way, if you need us, let us know and we'll try to help you as best we can. So. Whether it was COVID, whether it was the hurricanes or whatever else, um, the idea has been that Puerto Rico has been alone. So they kind of understand that. And you know what? I'd be honest with you. If I was Puerto Rico, after seeing somebody come down just throw a bunch of paper towels at me, criticize our governor and our mayor, I would pretty much understand that if a virus came into the fold, that we already know what we're going to get. So we might as well just go ahead and not expect the Calvary to come running. We need to take care of it ourselves. Wow. Okay, so Brian Parker, you mentioned that Puerto Rico should not expect the Calgary to come running. Sam, um, and I'm not sure if you've gotten every word that Brian Parker has said, but um, 
he has basically made it clear that the nation is leaving each state to operate on their own. I know that you've done business in the Philippines. So when we discuss U.S. territories like um, the Philippines or um, Puerto Rico or Guam or those so-called uh, states, Alaska and Hawaii, um, we're, we're discussing a, Nash, uh, a, a global pandemic. Should these places still operate independently of the United States, considering the scale of which we are at with the crisis? I think that they have their own leadership and that we're, we're connected to them by some sort of default, whether it be, you know, whatever happened in history. Um, I believe that their leadership should make their own decisions. And if they would like U.S. help, I think that we should be there to help them. I don't think that we should uh, take control of the situation unless they, they specifically ask us to. But we should, we should help in some way, some way, shape, or form. But at their request, I think at their okay. request. Okay. So, ah, uh, all right, uh, Evan. Uh, Sam says that we should wait until states or territories ask for help. That includes Hawaii, that includes Guam, that includes Philippines, Alaska, Puerto Rico. I've mentioned places that are not directly connected to the continental United States. Do you agree with Sam in that regard? Well, I think there's a difference here between something like Alaska and, and something like Puerto Rico, right? Which is that Puerto Rico is an island. And, and the measures that it takes, you know, whether they're effective, I mean, obviously you want them to take effective measures, but the, the, the danger, uh, you know, it does not spread out of Puerto Rico. Uh, something like Alaska, you know, has a neighbor. It's not, it's not a part of the United States, but it is something to be conscious of. Uh, and so that's, that's why, you know, with Puerto Rico, I say, yeah, you know, Puerto Rico is, is in a spot to determine what works best for it. But with something like, Alaska, or, or you know, more appropriately, one of the one of the continental states, uh, you really have to have a unified response because if you know if one state does a bad job of it, that affects all the neighboring states. Okay, exactly. Um, we okay. We we seem to be in a place that we're saying. E e what what statement am I trying to make here? You know, in the black community, we say each one teach one. And I don't know if that's the situation that we're in in the United States because everyone seems to be responding differently. Nyerka, um, you're, you're, you're pro this administration. What do you feel should be the overall response from the administration considering the fact that this is over? This affects over 50 states at this time. What do you believe should be the overall response on a national level? Well, um, all of these, um, all of these <clears throat> locations that we're talking about, they have governors. And governors under the Constitution were, were put in place so that they can control the um the area just like a president would so in this case it's all about communication and um governors should have the capacity to be able to to do the job that a president would 
for their state or for their uh, for Puerto Rico or Hawaii. That's that's basically what has to be done. I mean, if they if they need the if they need the federal help, then they should ask for the federal help for the people because that's why they're there for. They're there to work for the people. So it's up to the governor who's there. Like if I was living in Puerto Rico and I was having issues, I will address it to the governor. And the governor is the one who should address it to the president of the United States if he doesn't have the capacity to um, resolve that issue. That's my understanding under the Constitution. Okay. Okay. So Senorica says under the Constitution, the governor should have the capacity. And if they do not, they should be able to ask the president. Brian Parker, you work Mm -hmm. from home, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say you're dealing with 50 different clients during a period of a crisis and 35 of those, those those clients suddenly become in need are you at a capacity to deal with the 35 phone calls coming into your phone no I'd have to filter it somehow you'd have to filter it um, mm-hmm. Is that your way of saying that someone would get their call answered and someone would be on standby? No, it would just mean that uh, we would either have to figure out a way to, you know, me personally, instead of taking 35 different calls, I would just put all 50 of them on a conference call. and We'd all talk at one time. Wow. Um, okay. Instead of trying to go one by one by one, that may, that may not be effective when you You know, it just really depends on how big it is. You know, it's the same thing of asking, you know, we're in New York City for the most part. We have five different boroughs. Each borough has their own borough president. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the city has one mayor. Now, if there was something that affects the entire city, at the end of the day, Bill de Blasio has to deal with it. If it's something that happens to affect Brooklyn, Eric Adams has to deal with it. But I don't know if that's a good analogy. We're we're speaking about something that's happening on a global level. But that, but but, that, but that's my point, Marquis. If it's a citywide issue, it goes to Bill. This is not a state by state by state issue. Like Evan said earlier, if one state is sitting there uh, not holding their own, it can affect because most states border another state. So you can't just act like the decisions that you make for your state don't affect other states. Wow. That's why I keep that's why I keep saying that this is not a state by state uh, uh, pandemic. This is a uh, this is a nationwide. So we need to have a national response. If it was something that just affected North Carolina then the governor of North Carolina needs to deal with it. Okay. Okay. The president doesn't need to do that. You make a very good point. So what happens in Florida also affects Georgia, may also affect Louisiana. What happens in Texas may also affect uh, Colorado. It may affect uh, 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 Arizona, New Mexico, you know. Okay, I get what you're saying. So um, Sam, I'd like to ask you, if each state is to deal with their needs individually, then what is the purpose of having FEMA? Hmm. FEMA is federal, isn't it? You're, FEMA is federal. Yeah. But so, uh, they're the ones who respond uh, to FEMA emergencies. Be the order. Well, one second, Yurka. I'm going to let Sam finish, and then I'm going to come to you. Go ahead, Sam. Hmm. What What is the What is the purpose of FEMA? 
Well, they're, they're an organization responding to the president's orders, I believe, not a state-by-state -state issue. And, uh, and they're designed to handle emergencies. So right. if, that's, if that's their purpose and they know who they're taking direction from, well, then now you okay. understand. Yeah, now you know. Okay. So FEMA is taking direction from the president in the case of a national emergency. Is that correct to say? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Nyerka, would you say that the United States is in the middle of a national emergency? I would say that, yes. Okay. Yeah, we Does are, it we make are. sense that this is a time that FEMA should be employed to handle something on a national level? I believe they are because um, in some of the briefings, the president, I cannot pinpoint which day, he's mentioned FEMA, basically um, FEMA um, doing, I don't know, I cannot specify, but he's mentioned FEMA along with uh, the National Guards. Okay. Okay. So we're mentioning FEMA, we're mentioning the National Guard. Evan, I'm going to go ahead and jump to you. Uh, with the rollout of the reaction to this crisis, and I believe that we all understand that it is a crisis, um, do you believe, because we've talked about what we believe, um, and I, I'm going to speak on what I'm seeing later, do you believe that we have utilized all of our resources appropriately to handle the current crisis? No, no, of course not. Okay. And, and in your belief, what would you say would need to be uh, what would you say would need to be employed differently? Well, I mean, besides the Defense Production Act and, and those sorts of things that we've talked about and, and getting people to make ventilators. And we've seen that that that's not happening to the degree that it could be happening. In fact, I think it was General Electric that where where the employees actually staged a protest in the parking lot because they want to make ventilators and, and they're not mm -hmm. being forced to do it. Right. Uh, but apart from that, you know, I think things like like a basic income instead of a twelve hundred dollar check that we'll get someday in the future, maybe. You know, I, I think a, a basic income like the kind proposed by Sanders is a good idea for this. That's a that's a resource that we could that we could tap right now that we're not doing. Okay, so Sanders has a pr proposed um, a basic income, but Sanders is no longer running for president, so his voice is not going to have the same level of leverage. Uh, that's true. You mentioned the Defense Production Act, and um, you mentioned um, workers from GE wanting to protest in order to make these ventilators. Am I correct to understand you, Evan? I, I think it was GE. It was either GE or GM. I'm sorry, I'm confusing them. Okay, I, I believe it's. G, I believe you're referring to GM. Uh, so there are states asking for ventilators. We 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 seem to be in a position that. Um, these we're being told you already have ventilators, uh, but people are trying to prepare for um, for the foreseeable future. Uh, I asked this question before, and I'm going to ask it again to the panel. Um, Brian, I'm going to let you take this one. Um, does one wait until their house is burning down before they they should go and purchase a fire extinguisher? <laughs> well. Well, no, absolutely not. That would be the, that would that would be like saying, "Do I get uh, do I get flood insurance 
uh, the day that it's raining in Louisiana? You know, of course not. You have okay. flood insurance. Well, before that, in anticipation of what uh, can happen. All right. So you're saying that these these uh, these ventilators will sort of act as insurance in the case that uh, in the case that the numbers should suddenly jump. We're prepared well, for those that cannot breathe. Am, am well, I correct well, to understand that? You are, and it's it's as if and as the uh, orange one has said many times, how complex these things are to make. And he has alluded to the fact that you can't just make them overnight. You know, it's a complex piece of equipment. It's like making a car, whatever the hell that means. Wow. Um, okay. but, it, but, but his point is, is that they're not just easily to assemble. There is some work required. If yeah. you have people that start to escalate, can't breathe and everything else like that, they can't wait for you to say, okay, let me just put some into production. That takes a while to ramp up and get going. Those people don't have that kind of time. Right now, they're even taking CPAP machines. And uh, I have to say, Nick Righam, uh, what we call Righam, into uh, working like a, uh, a ventilator. Sam, I'm, I'm going to move over to you. Uh, protests at General Motors because employees want to create ventilators for the rest of the United States. Um, here in New York City, not enough masks, which normally would come from China, um, a place where you've lived. So we're suddenly making masks out of bras. Uh, we're suddenly selling um, on the black market medical masks, sanitizer, gloves. Shouldn't the United States as a cohesive unit be doing more, Sam? <clears throat> when you say doing more, I think that your question is much too broad because in the moment and with what we have available, I think the U.S. is doing what they can do. When it comes so to when you say the that, U.S., you mean the country as a whole, yes? Yes. Uh, the country as a whole, there are plenty of um, people you can like YouTube it if you like, but there are plenty of people who are even volunteering to make masks, to make um, face shields. Um, mm -hmm. You have you have companies that have come together. They are producing the ventilators. You're also finding out that there's an excessive amount of ventilators at the moment. Um, as Where? with beds, as with beds, uh, in New York, for example, New York have. Uh, more ventilators than, than what they need. Um, again, okay, what Brian, said, that's true. what Brian said was true. That is uh, true. You don't want to start right. production. You don't want to start production okay. when when you find that you need it. You want to produce it in advance. But um, yes. for example, Governor Cuomo he came out of his out of his ass with this four thousand figure or forty thousand figure, right? And then come to find out we're not even using you know close to the amount that he was asking for. So. There is a breakdown in communication or of how he came to his numbers of what he deemed necessary that he needed versus what the White House is putting out there or the White House uh, professionals, the doctors. But Sam, but Sam that's, okay. that, that's, the, that's, the same, that's the same as when he, they originally said that anywhere between 100 to 200,000 people were probably going to die from this. And now they've revised it down to as low as 50,000. Awesome. Just like Dr. Fauci said the same day. Well, I mean, it's the same thing as um, uh, they said that on a national level. But uh, 
Cuomo asked for 40,000 ventilators. Like Dr. Fauzi said the other day, the more data that we can put into these models, the more behaviors that will sit there and start to bend this curve can bend it back to the point that what you thought you previously needed, now you may not need. But in the moment, when you're facing a virus that you've never felt uh, had before that are doing the things, did he pull it out of his ass? I don't know if he pulled it out of his ass or if those current models were saying we're trending towards the fact that 40,000 would not be unreasonable. Is it unreasonable now? It could be. Because now for the second day in a row, we've had less people being hospitalized. So that is a good sign that what we're doing is working. But all we need to do is reopen the economy too quickly. And I guarantee you we're going to be back in the same situation and we could turn that curve right back around. So it's not that he necessarily pulled it out of his ass, but when you're looking at these models, it gives you a, a low number, a medium number, and a high number. And if you're a governor, you don't want anybody to die on your watch. So if you think that the number is 25,000, yeah, I might say 40,000 just to play it safe myself because I don't want it to spike up and then that be on my watch. Wow, I think if oh, I think okay. if I think if the numbers came up to twenty five thousand, like using your example, I think if the numbers that the data that you inputted into into whatever computer models that you were doing, if the numbers came up to you for twenty five thousand and you were sitting on like one thousand at the time, if the numbers came up to twenty five thousand, you should have come up with twenty five to thirty thousand. I think going forty thousand might be way too excessive. And furthermore, the reason why I'm saying it is because your your numbers, your current numbers, the ones that you that you are currently dealing with, were way far, far, far too low to go so 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 high. So I I tend to say I I tend to think about it in this way: uh, if I'm sitting on a thousand and I I think it's trending towards twenty five thousand. I'd say, yeah, go ahead and let's get the order for twenty five thousand or maybe thirty thousand, right? But I wouldn't go wait. But to Sam, that. Sam, I, Sam, I, you know what? If we were talking about making cars, I would agree with you. But if we're talking about valuable pieces of equipment to save lives, yeah, I'd rather go over than be wrong and be under. Okay, so that that's a very good. But point. at the same time, at, at the same time, at the same time that he was coming up with these numbers, then it was found out that there were ventilators in New Jersey sitting in a warehouse. And also, okay, but that's, um, there were guys, I'm sorry. I, I, Yorka, I hear you. And that's a very old argument. We're talking about the ventilators that are in New Jersey. Um, but you know, guys, if you live on a street with wooden houses and you know that your neighbor's house is burning, at what point do you say to yourself, well, I'd better get myself some extra fire extinguishers, some extra fire retardant, and some fireproof outfits, because eventually the fire is going to hit me. Um, we have fire departments in various parts of the city, but we don't have a fire going on in every part of the city. We have hospitals that are having to be built because we realize that we didn't have enough hospital beds. Is it really that unrealistic to ask to have the ventilators in advance to be prepared for a possible spike in the numbers? New York, I'm going to let you take that one. Yeah, absolutely. You have to be prepared. I okay. definitely agree so, with that. 
we do have to be prepared. So in actuality, what you're saying is that what Governor Cuomo is asking for is not that unrealistic to say, let's be safe than sorry. Then we're already loading bodies onto Hart Island here in New York City, H-A-R-T. We're we're already utilizing the Staten Island Ferry to ship these bodies. So maybe if we had these ventilators, maybe we wouldn't have so many bodies. Is there a possibility of that? You know, my question is, is like, since when, since when do we consider humans like to just like drop dead and all of a sudden they become like garbage? Because I mean, that that's the way that I see the communication going on with people dying in the hospitals. Like, I don't, I really don't understand what what is going on with, with all of this. Okay, so so you're making a good point, Yerka. So you're questioning why we're treating humans like garbage. But the question comes back to, uh, uh, the question comes back to, you know, is it unrealistic to be asking for these extra ventilators? Um, and and then this makes this brings me to my next question. Um, and Yerka, I'm going to let you take this again. Do we ever wonder if this is intentional? I uh, I truly believe so. I hear a delay. I, I really do so believe that. You believe I, so. I believe that it's okay. 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 Yes. Okay. okay. All right. Yes. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go from Mirka, I'm gonna go from you and I'm gonna go to Evan. Evan, do you believe um, that any of this is possibly intentional? It just seems like this effort is, is, is that any of this yeah, you know, with the virus, with the way that it's handling. So, I mean, I, mm-hmm. go ahead. Sure, sure. I mean, there are parts of this that are that are really alarming. Uh, not, not. I don't think you know the creation of the, the the virus. I don't. I don't buy into any of that. But I do think that you know we've seen uh, reports of of governors and and other from from governors and from people who run emergency rooms of their supplies being seized by the federal government. And then we hear reports from uh, from the White House that the the goods are being sold at auction, and the states that bid the highest get them. I mean, whoa, 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 that whoa, whoa, hold on, is hold on, hold on. What's being sold at auction? Very, What's uh, sold med- auction, medical brother? supplies? You know, the Your states, team. the state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was this was in the White House press room. They were asking they were asking a, a military guy about this in the White House press room, and he said, "This is the way we do it. This is the way we've always done it." And I don't know that that's actually true. And even if that is true, I don't know that this is the way it should be done. But yeah, states are are bidding them. The the there was a, a crazy story about what the uh, the governor of Massachusetts did with the Patriots plane. Right, he flew the Patriots plane into China to get medical supplies that he brought back himself uh, from China. Uh, I'm on board the New England Patriots 747. Uh, you know, this is the, it's it's very strange that uh, that the that that's happening to that the governors of blue states have to do that, right? There's no report of the governor of Texas having to to fly the Dallas Cowboys plane into Mexico, to get, right? Like this, it's, it's so so. Could parts of this be could parts of this response be be meant to intentionally punish blue states? Okay. Uh, okay. It's, it's something. It's something you got to ask from a guy who clearly has demonstrated that he believes that he can use his political machine to dole out favors. Ooh. Okay, Sam, you got to take this one up. Uh, Evan feels that Trump is utilizing this 
this situation. I, I think it's something you can ask. For, for political favorites. Um, do you have any comment on that? Utilizing this situation to his political advantage. Red states are not suffering the way the blue states are. Go ahead, Sam. Um, first, just to let you know, I couldn't hear anything that Evan was saying. Um, okay, so that's why I reiterated on these the, the blue states are having to bid and are having to compete, but red states don't seem to have the same um, crisis level that the blue states have. Okay, I'm not seeing it. If he's seeing it, then so be it. I'll have to research that, but I'm not seeing that. I think that he's been pretty fair and even across the board. Um, he's not really, he's not, He's hands-on in terms of having his meetings. He's hands-on in terms of, of getting understanding, getting updates and things like that. But I don't think he's so hands-on in terms of that uh, blue state, red state issue. But then again, I, I, mm. haven't, I haven't seen it. I have to look it up. Okay. So perhaps it's not a blue state, red state issue because Sam feels that everyone is being treated the same across the board. Brian, I'm going to ask you a question in regards to the elderly, in regards to the ill and immune compromise, and in regards to blacks being hit the hardest. Mm -hmm. Sam says he's not seeing it. You're in New York State, I assume. Are you seeing it? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, we were talking off air, Sam and I, about sometimes the perception or the way things can be viewed. And I know that I'm going to definitely say it as somebody that leans a little left. Um, or a lot left, Sam. But um, yes, I, I mean, you, they, they just had a story this past week where Colorado um, governor was asking for uh, supplies and ventilators and things like that, and they didn't get uh, what they were looking for. But, but is Ohio as, a purple state? No, Colorado. Oh, Colorado. Is Colorado considered blue state? I thought that was purple as well. Colorado is blue, but the Senator Cory Gardner happens to be a Republican. So wow. when good old Cory reached out to Daddy Trump, then all of a sudden Colorado got what they wanted. So it looked like Cory Gardner delivered something that the Repu uh, Democratic governor could not deliver. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Asked for, asked for the same thing. Uh, blue guy got told no, but then when Cory Gardner, because Cory Gardner is also up for re-election, so who would it look better for that actually delivered it? Wow. Cory Gardner, who's up for a tough re-election, or the Democratic governor? So my question is still, why are the elderly, the immune compromised, and blacks being hit hard? Well, from you know, you know, being being black for over forty years now, you know, we have some. <laughs> You know, we, <laughs> I, I might be able to speak on that a little bit. You might be black next year. Who knows? I'm not saying. Go ahead. I think I'm going to wake up black tomorrow, too. But, um, you know, have a diabetes, heart disease, a lot of these things run rampant in our communities and things like that. You know, when people die from COVID, it reminds me of uh, HIV and AIDS. People don't die from HIV. People don't die from AIDS. They die from pneumonia. They die from things that were onset from the disease of AIDS. People die from complications of COVID, but if you have underlying heart issues, well, you know, even me personally, you know, I'm, I'm only 45 years old and I have a heart condition. Matter of fact, I have a, a defibrillator in my chest. Thank God it's never, 
thank God it's never gone off, but I have a history of heart problems in my family, which does mean that I am more susceptible to having those issues to the point that they said your heart could literally just stop. So we need to put this inside of your body. Um, wow. if, I, if I was to get COVID, then it could compromise my heart beating. And yes, I would ultimately die from heart issues as complications from COVID-19. That's all it means. So, so, so even with my, and, and, and yes, I'm also a diabetic. So, you know, I, I've got the whammies going on, I'm a, a type two diabetic, so I don't have to take insulin shots right now, knock on wood. Um, but then also having the heart disease and things like that. If, you know, I go outside and uh, start breathing up this uh, Rona and everything, then there's a good possibility that I'm going to be in the hospital. And when I cannot breathe anymore, it's going to be because of my heart condition and my diabetes onset from the COVID. Now, Evan, um, you know, Brian says if I go outside and I breathe up this COVID, is there, is there anyone that you know that feels this is simply an airborne disease and we can get it at random? I mean, for me, I, I don't know. I, I've been reading up on this, but I I'm still have a lot of questions about how this is spread, right? The Early on, we, we saw that they had looked at the cruise ship From and they said, heard, after evaluating the, the cruise um, ship, that this thing can live on surfaces for 17 days. Yeah. Yeah. One second, please. Go ahead. Go, yeah. One second, please. Go ahead, Evan. You were saying. So, yeah, so we've oh, heard that it can live on surfaces for 17 days. But still, there, there's, I, I don't know, there's just so many things about this. They, they also said, you know, early on that once you get it, you could get it again. But now they're starting to, to peel back on that. And they're saying, actually, that doesn't seem to be the case. So there's just so many things that I, that I don't know personally about how this is spread. But I think, you know, to, to Brian's point, I mean, I think the safest thing you can do, right, is stay inside and, and you know, and not interact with people, unfortunately. You, you know something, guys? Everyone says, stay inside. Don't go outside. Well, how do you stay inside when you need to go outside to get food? Yeah. How do you stay inside when the people that deliver your medication are not delivering your medication to you and you need to go to the pharmacy to pick it up? How do you stay inside when someone who is elderly may be uh, – compromise or at risk and you're the only person that's bringing them what they need. Nurka, I know you were about to add about a minute ago. Um, how does one stay inside when we have needs that need to be fulfilled? Uh, well, what I was answering to is that I do not, um, from what I've heard um, certain doctors speak and explain this virus is not in the air. Is 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 it's not in the air. You you get it by touch. So okay. um so surface. I don't see a problem. Yeah. A surface or someone coughs on you, um, or or you're too close to someone that coughs, then that's how that that's how you uh, um contract the virus. That's what I've heard from Dr. Shiva. You could look it up. Um there's another girl who um it, She's a nurse and she has a video going on and she explained how the virus works. And she's saying that um, a lot of the cases that they're getting doesn't even look like virus related, but to look into the 5G. Um, and um, so, yeah, it is hard to stay inside because we, we're not on complete lockdown, people. We are not supposed to, the complete lock, lockdown is after eight o'clock. So during the day, you could go out and get some sun. 
you could go out to the stores and get your food. That's why the stores are open. And, okay, um, but, but Nyoka, that's not what we're being told. What we're being told is, unless you're an essential worker, you should not be outside. Now, I'd like, I'd like to add an important point here. The New York Times has an article that says that construction workers who are working in conditions that are very, very close together, uh, mm -hmm. where they don't have all of their protective gear, who are, uh, who are building luxury buildings, condos, not necessarily schools, not necessarily hospitals, but they're building these buildings. New York State has, um, has considered construction as essential. And um, mm. would, would, would we not say, Mirka, that this, how is, how is that essential to the whole economy? Yeah, no, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, it doesn't I, make sense. I think. No. You. Mm -hmm. No. I, okay. Well, and to put it in perspective, a lot of the things yeah. that are going on do not make sense. Wow. The, and okay. when, we, when we put our common sense together, it just does not make sense. Okay. Sam, Nyurka says that a lot of the things going on do not make sense. What does make sense to you right now? <clears throat> what makes sense to me is uh, there is an illness going around. We call it COVID-19. People should stay inside. Um, people should protect themselves, not really stay inside, but I mean, you can go outside like like uh, like the reports are saying. You can go outside, get your food, get your whatever, get your sunlight, um, stretch your legs. Um, but you need to be somewhat cautious about being next to someone who's not wearing a mask and you should wear yours. Um, you should wash your hands before you touch any part of your body, especially your face. That makes sense to me. Okay. Well, you make some good points. Uh, one should stay home, if at all possible. One should be washing their hands, and one should avoid touching their face, and one should wear their mask. Evan, what do I do if I don't have a home? What do I do if I can't afford a mask? What do I do if I don't have the capability of washing my hands right away? Evan, what do I do? These are excellent questions. Uh, you know, we've seen, I, I think I saw a, a video from San Francisco of police forcibly removing someone from a bus uh, who didn't have a mask. You're and kidding me. I, I believe it was, I think it was the bus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that yeah. was crazy. And, and, you know, this is... If somebody doesn't have a mask, we should give them masks. You know, we should have we should. And I understand that we're at a shortage of of N95s right now, but everybody I know uh, is is stitching their own masks with elastic. People are doing it to donate to people. People are doing it. I, my neighbors are doing it. I just got a shipment of. My mom just sent me a bunch of of homemade masks. It was very sweet. Okay. Uh, if we can, if we can utilize those resources, there's no reason that instead of hauling people off buses, police couldn't be handing out masks to vulnerable populations. That seems like the the thing that we should be doing. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little bit of a risk here because I believe I, I have an add-on. Is our doctor in training on the line, Mr. Daniel? Are you able to hear me right now? Okay. Okay, great. I, I, we were discussing, uh, I want to just plug you into the conversation because 
we're talking about the, the you need to wash your hands. You should have face masks. You should have gloves. What does one do if you don't have access to these things? What does one do? I'd, I'd like to get your professional expertise. Well, I liked uh, some of the comments that were made, uh, all, you know, just a few minutes ago by a few people, Evan, Brian, and the lady here. Uh, yes. So keeping away is going to help. Uh, so being uh, doing your social distancing is also going to help. Um, and uh, some of the other things that uh, have been discussed, like uh, washing hands and uh, better hygiene. Um, you know, we have people who are out and about these, these days also that um, should not be. Um, so, and who would you say those people are that should not be out and about? Who are those people? Well, we have uh, regular, um, you know, Joes that, um, you know, walk walk in uh, the open, um, not too concerned that it'll happen to them. Perhaps it is uh, suicidal. Um, type of tendency to say, well, if the if the virus will come and get me, let let it be. At least it'll be an easy way to justify my passing. Um, so you have average people, plus you have these um, so-called um, um, the 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 people on the front lines that are uh, fighting. Uh, you know, for fighting for the lives of uh, regular people, um, namely the hospital workers um, and, um, you know, those that are attending to uh, people that are, that are, um, you know, physically ill. Um, they tend to, uh, you know, have, um, uh, they tend to be in closer contact and just a smaller uh, slip in how they take care of themselves can lead to issues. I, you know, just within the last week, last by last week when we were on the air, I did not know anybody close to me that, um, you know, had uh, COVID-19 issues uh, within the last week. I know I suddenly know at least um, three people that are in my family that are around the world that have uh, COVID-19. Around the world, you say? Yeah. So, uh, what countries, may I ask? Where else? Okay. So, uh, uh, one just died in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, another. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Another is in uh, is on the ventilator in ICU in uh, Dublin in Ireland. And oh my goodness. The other one has developed um, COVID nineteen. Uh, uh, I mean, the symptoms are there, and she's been quarantined in uh, Doha, Qatar. Wow. Yeah, so we have just in the last one. Wow. Asia, Europe, and North America. Three different continents where you know of. Exactly. So, yeah. Okay. And supposedly the one in Ireland, she was taking extreme precautions. Uh, and um, But she, uh, one of her friends came to visit her who was flying back to the United States. And um, she had to give her a hug. And the one, oh, and the one flying back to the United States um, after reaching the USA developed um, symptoms, and uh, you know she was confirmed as having COVID nineteen. And wow. my wow. relative in wow. Ireland 
uh, of course, um, uh, you know, also developed the same symptoms. So it is, and now she is, uh, she was hospitalized first, moved to ICU. Now she's on the ventilator for many days. So, um, okay. Okay. Give me, give me a second here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut in for a minute and, um, I just need to ask you guys right quick. We have less than 15 minutes. Evan Engel, what do you consider essential right now as an essential worker? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, certainly people need to be able to get food at this time, right? So anybody in the food supply is essential. Uh, the postal workers, I think, are also essential right now. Uh, if you want to keep people at home, you have to be able to, to get them supplies uh, without them leaving leaving their homes. Uh, so postal workers, food supply. Uh, weirdly, I think uh, car mechanics probably are right now because people still need to be able to get to work. And unfortunately, you know, there is still car problems still happen uh, for doctors and nurses. Uh, and, and then obviously the medical workers uh, are essential workers as well. Uh, there's probably there's probably more I'm forgetting. Yes, yes, Brian Parker. What would you say is an essential worker right now? Man, I agree. Um, de- definitely, our healthcare, um, our medical folks, um, police, fire. Uh, right now, grocery stores, uh, pharmacies, um, deliveries. Um, you know, even the people in our that work in my building, they've uh, actually been considered um, essential because they keep the place uh, maintained and and uh, cleaned and everything. So, wow. Um, yeah. Okay. Thank you, Brian. Sam, what do you consider an essential worker right now? Hmm. Uh, food, pharmacy, deliveries, medical. Hmm. Yeah, in in cases like what Brian said, maybe maybe uh, home care home care working because uh, they can keep things hygienic and clean. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Okay, and um, I'm going to go ahead and move the question down to um, Nirka. What is yeah. essential to you in this time? What is an essential worker? Who should be allowed to leave the house and to circulate in order to con- conduct their regular affairs? Um, I would say police, nurses, um, firefighters, uh, postal workers, um, pharmacy stores and food stores should be open. Um, home care also. Um, and um, one of the things that I heard mentioned was um, people who work in your building we're having an issue here in the Bronx. Um, a lot of supers are not working and they're complaining. They're, they're not complaining. They're just saying that they're following the guidelines. You're and um, I find them to be a the Bronx. Go ahead. I, and they, they are essential because they keep the building clean and okay. hygienic. Okay. So, um, and yeah. then I'd like to ask um, Mr. Got it. So those are the people that are cleaning the building to make sure that we're maintaining the the sanitary levels in order to keep the building safe. Good points made, Nyerka. Mr. Daniel, what do you consider essential at this time? So the first responders are essential because um, you, you know, have to have uh, 
to people like the police that is monitoring um, the streets. Um, that's essential because um, otherwise it could get out of hand, especially places like beaches and um, heavily favored areas like Times Square and um, Broadway and so forth. Uh, we also need um, hospital workers, um, like uh, was previously mentioned, some of the uh, restaurant workers and uh, those, you know, people that uh, are essential, even the grocery clerks, because we uh, need to go out and buy groceries to survive. Um, and uh, it may be necessary to indulge in uh, purchasing out of a restaurant once in a while, even if it is um, uh, through as a, as a carryout. Uh, so those are essential uh, workers. Um, those that take care of others, caretakers. I have a brother who is pretty much handicapped and at home, and he has got a caretaker that uh, comes in, and she is, um, you know, she takes care of him just to make sure that um, She's there for him in the night, in the middle of the night, for example, he, he may have some, he, you know, some issues where he needs somebody to move his legs uh, and so forth. So um, I would say um, those are at least some of the categories with, you know, that are essential workers. Okay, okay. Um, we don't have a lot of time left. And Sam, did, did I get a chance to ask you about what you considered essential? Did you get a chance to ask? Yeah, I did. But I think uh, okay. I think uh, Slim summed it up for all of us, and uh, and Daniel summed it up okay. for all of us. Um, so I'm going to take these few minutes to add a couple of things. Um, I noticed that no one mentioned transport, getting from A to B, um, whether that be uh, a, a car service, whether that be transportation, whether that be the airlines um, uh, or or the boats. No one's mentioned transport. Um, I also noticed that no one mentioned utilities in repair. Um, I guess we don't need lights and we don't need air conditioning or heat. So I guess those things may not be essential. But what I am gonna say that I, I would consider essential right now, guys, I, um, I don't have a laptop in my home. And in order for me to have a laptop, in order for me to be able to communicate uh, with you, I need to leave the place that I laid my head, and I need to travel on that train, and I need to get to another location, um, because media is considered essential at this time. In order to communicate to you what's happening in the world, we were relying upon media. So when we use terms like fake news and the media can't be trusted, it sounds like right now the media might be saving lives. And what all of you are partaking in is a form of media. Uh, even though we consider it entertainment, it is a form of media. As a person who has dealt with uh, issues of mental illness, whether it be personally or indirectly or in my surrounding environment, I would say a lot of people are struggling with forms of mental illness right now. When we tell people to isolate, even convicts are allowed to leave their homes one hour a day. And so um, that would seem to me to be an essential. And lastly, I'd like to add communication. It is very, very important that we have our means of speaking to one another. If someone passes away and we don't have a working phone, we're not going to find out. 
if our next door neighbor is, is, is a person who needs to say, hey, I need you to stay away from me because I'm sick, if they can't call us to let us know, we have no way of finding out. Um, I'm going to give everybody 10 seconds, 10 to 15 seconds to give me a summary of what they feel of today's conversation in regards to uh, in regards to the original subject uh, not being allowed to leave the house in Puerto Rico and the whole martial law thing. Brian, 15 seconds, I'll let you take it first. I mean, basically, it just comes down to this. You know, we always talk about personal responsibility. And right now, our responsibility is making sure that we are part of the solution and not part of the problem. As much as we all want to get outside and go back to our regular lives, um, there's going to be a little pain before that. And we all need to uh, make sure that we're distancing ourselves as much as we possibly can. Okay. Thank you, Brian. And Sam, Brian mentions getting back to our regular lives. Uh, we know that today's, uh, we, we just had Easter pass about a week ago, uh, and today is, is is quite a few days after Easter. We're not quite back at work yet. Uh, so when do we get back to regular? Go ahead, Sam. 15 seconds. We get back to regular when when we have much lower levels of of the spread of this virus, and um, and we can get a grip on what's going on with deaths and things like that. So. It could be a while. It could be a while, but I also agree with um, probably um, strategically reopening parts of the economy in different locations that are not as affected, um, but with with extra care. Okay. Okay. So you're anxious to open up the economy. I'm going to jump down to uh, Mr. Daniel. Opening up part of the economy, we're past Easter. Um, when do we get back to normal? Um, I am of the opinion that we get back to the to normal as soon as possible, and hopefully going by Trump's schedule, perhaps even by uh, by May the first. Simply because this is just uh, a, a little too restricting. Uh, we need the malls open. We need uh, essential uh, employees and businesses open. Um, and um, so people need to make an income. People, you know, um, the, the states and uh, counties and cities that are suffering uh, due to um, a, a lot of businesses being closed down. So the sooner it happens, the better. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Daniel. And um, Ms. Encarnacion, a.k.a. Slim, give me, give, give me the Slim on it. What? What is going to happen? Um, 15 seconds. Where are we? Where are we going? Miss Encarnacion, are you with me? Okay. So for some reason, I don't have your signal. I'm going to go ahead and move the question over to Evan. Evan, are you able to hear me right now? Okay, and I'm not getting a signal from Evan either. I don't see a line for either one of them. Uh, what I am going to say is that um, we seem to be at a place that we're desperate to get people back to work. We are also at a place that no one seems really sure of or, about how or when, but I think everyone's definition of essential would change depending on where you are and what resources you have. 
I'm going to go ahead and thank um, Brian Parker. I'm going to thank Sam Kuchera. I'm going to thank um, Mr. Um, Daniel John. I'm also going to thank uh, Nyerk Encarnacion and Evan Engel for being part of our program today. You guys are tuned into Verbal Assault live stream, where we're show that talk, talks about real issues in real time with real people. Um, I'm not sure whether you've joined us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Uh, we Today was our extra long show. We would like you to tune in on Saturday, excuse me, Friday the 15th. I'm not getting my dates right here. Uh, Friday the 17th. I'm awful with these dates today. Where we will be discussing is New York State, the epicenter in the United States uh, of this virus, finally flattening the curve. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Verbal Assault Live Stream. I'm your host, Marquis Pebble, and I look forward to having you with us on Friday. Bye-bye. Every day.